I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. Welcome back. And today we've got a brand new episode for you. Uh, It's been a little while, but we have something that we wanted to share. Uh, Jay and I were talking a little bit before the show. Actually, for a look behind the curtain, before the show, we were desperately searching for a word. There's this word that's been eluding us all morning uh, to describe what we want to talk about today. Uh, but maybe if we maybe if we talk about it a little bit more as we get there, it'll come out. If you hear either of us like yell with excitement during the podcast, it's because we finally remember what this word was. I just might yelp. Yeah, if, if you think happens. of it before us, it's going to be really painful, like trying to tell us through your headphones what the word was. But today we want to talk about something that we've done a lot in this office, and it's had a real big effect on uh, you know a lot of different things on our goal setting. It's done a lot you know for our individual performance and team performance. It's had impacts on culture. It's had impacts on uh, all kinds of different measurements within success. Uh, and it has a lot to do with drawing out the competitive nature in people. So, uh, Jay, would you describe yourself as a competitive person? I think you know the answer to that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of our listeners know the Probably answer. Probably so. Also, like, I will compete for competition's sake. Like, yeah. like I don't even care about the payoff. Like, Same. And I think a lot of self-driven people that get into real estate probably share that. Maybe you're someone that's not super competitive. Uh, but one thing that we've noticed in an office full of really competitive people, because we have a lot of competitive type of people that work here in this company, uh, is that healthy levels of group competition can really drive results. And and we want to talk about how it's not just in like setting just like a one month challenge, like who can get the most pendings. It's, you know, it's across the board in a lot of different things. Uh, and it can be one of those things when done correctly, really builds up a team. And when done incorrectly, uh, can be something that causes a lot of division. So what, what are your, what are your first thoughts when you think about competition within teams like that? Well, I mean, I think competition drives, it brings the best out of people, but it can also discourage if not done appropriately. Mm -hmm. It's a delicate thing because, you know, us, we human beings are delicate and when a group of us put together um, can certainly be, you know, a a way to pronounce the the negative aspects of our humanity. And I don't want to get too deep on you, but, you know, you've heard that a person is smart and people are dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think certainly the larger the group gets, the more challenge it is to get everyone in sync. Yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, a competition is a way to bind, but it also can divide. So mm-hmm. it's just it's just touch and go, man. You got to figure out what works for you. Sure. And it, and I mean, it goes back to something you said a minute ago, where you would compete for competition's sake. I feel like I'm that way too. But not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that. So you can't just have competitions within your brokerage for the sake of competing. And I think that's what that's what made me think of this topic for this week uh, is because a lot of our competitions are all geared towards us all becoming better together. They're not adversarial. It's not, it's not so much winners and losers. Of course, there's winners and losers. We keep score. Uh, but they're all with the express idea of bringing everybody up, even the people that didn't win whatever the 
challenge was or they're all they're all focused on a single goal does that make sense no absolutely i mean yeah exactly so when we talk about focusing on a single goal i think that's what we when we were kind of talking about this before we started that's the big takeaway uh and what we want to talk about today is how different types of group competitions whether it's competitions to see you know who sets the most listing appointments or competitions to see who prospects the most hours uh, or even something extracurricular, you might say, like we have a fitness challenge that we do where we you know, track how many hours we've worked out each week, stuff like that, how all those things are good, but what they all do is they help us to figure out and laser focus in on the one thing that we want to improve and like lock that in. Does that make sense? D- dude, I, you're preaching to the choir here, man. I know exactly where we are, and I think what we want – is for our listeners to understand the power of competition, yeah. but to harness it appropriately. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so what does that require? I mean, it requires some of the things that you just said, okay, but it also it requires a common goal. So, you know, is, is a competition going to save your team when your team is pulling in completely opposite directions? Absolutely not. No. It, it's not enough. You have to have a common thread already. What usually a competition can do is it can reinvigorate and it can get you over, you know, a a perceived or a very real barrier depending on where you're at. Mm -hmm. So, but there's tons of value there. Yeah. So there's like that common thread. Another key piece is the common belief. Everyone else has to believe this is something worth striving for. You know, setting a listing appointments challenge is easy because who on the team doesn't think more listing appointments will impact their business positively? They're probably but, not in the real estate business. But if, if we like had, a, you know, in our next Friday meeting said, all right, everybody, starting this month, we're starting a get up at 6 a.m. challenge. Everybody hit the sign sheet. Some people, that's not there. Some people are like, I'm doing just fine getting up at 8 a.m. Thank you very much. You know, and they won't and they won't buy in. They won't be excited about it because there's not a singular uh, belief that this is something worth committing to. Okay, so who are we talking to here? We're talking to team members, team leaders. We're talking to agents that would be, you know, one of one or both yeah. uh, people that would be in the industry at some point, and maybe even leaders outside of real estate too. I- exactly. If you happen to be listening to this podcast and you, you know, you're not in the industry, well, you can apply this to to regular, you know, any leadership activity. Okay, because chances are you're not um, really pushing hard to to, to solicit participation in some sort of contest if you're not in some form of leadership. Right, exactly. So how do you create that common thread? If it's not completely there, let's just say, Gabe, for for an instant, that you believe that getting up at 6 a.m. is valuable to anyone Mm -hmm. that would use that as a catalyst to achieve other things. Yeah. Okay, so so it's not the you know the ultimate goal to get up at six. It's it's the things that happen when you get up at six. Sure. So that's exactly how you inspire someone. Yeah. To to do something that may not be as palatable mm-hmm. as they you know would like at least at first at first uh, you know knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. You have to tie the activity that you're incentivizing or that you would like to compete over to the result. Yeah. That you're looking for. Sure. So I, and the, it's arbitrary what time you get up and what time you go to bed and, you know, when you do anything. But what's not is the things that the ripple effect that comes along. Yeah. So when I get up at 5 a.m. 
I feel this way. I do these things that I don't normally do. Exactly. Yeah. If I don't get up at 5 a.m., I'm not getting a workout in before I leave the house. It's not going to happen. I know myself. I know my past results. I know how my days go. Okay? It's not, I'm not terribly successful on those days of making myself work out that evening. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because of all the other things that weigh upon you throughout the balance of your day. So there's a pretty high probability that if I don't get up at 5 a.m., I'm not going to work out. Yeah. And if you don't work out, maybe you don't feel great when you sit down at your desk to prospect. And if you don't prospect, maybe you don't. Have any more listing appointments. Maybe you don't. You sit in front of a seller, you don't handle that objection the way that you should. I will tell you this. I get up at 5 a.m., even when I don't want to, because I can then get a workout in, and, and then... I'm a better person yep. because I worked out than I would have been if I didn't. Yep. Okay. Consequently, I have yet to find any correlation to my eating habits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, with how I feel or maybe, maybe I just don't know what it's like to really feel good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like when because we did the I water still, challenge. Yeah. Because I still don't eat good. I still don't eat well. Look at, well, look at, look there my, you go. My grammar. You caught yourself. I still so don't okay. eat. I still don't eat well. Um, but I can tell you this, that if I could link it to some sort of catalyst that I could gamify, mm-hmm. then I would probably do a lot better with it. Maybe we need to do a spar challenge over diet. Oh, and we'll talk about spar in a minute too. But so you just made me think with me and some other people on the staff, we did a similar thing. We did a water challenge. We all wanted to drink more water. The only thing was none of us knew why we wanted to drink more water. We were like, what will more water do for us? Are we not drinking enough water as it is? The only reason we all got committed is because we're all really competitive. So we hadn't we hadn't even yet tied an intrinsic value to drinking more water. Like no one had sold us on how good water is besides, you know, just being alive and being a human. I think we all understand what water does for our bodies. But once we started doing the challenge, it became clear that we feel better when we've hydrated ourselves. I know it sounds really simple, but then the value comes together. But what I wanted to ask you, I was going to save this till later, but you made me think of it now. Um, so if I'm the person you're trying to sell on waking up at five, okay. in the team meeting and I'm not bought in, one way to do it is to to evangelize me to the benefits of waking up at five. Say, this is why this will be valuable. And then once I see the value, I'll commit. What if, even after that, I'm just still not into it? When, does, when do prizes, for lack of a better word, come in? You can incentivize somebody by putting a reward at the end of the challenge, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's not always necessary, but... It's sometimes, I guess like for some challenges, it can be a boost to boost people's excitement. And sometimes it becomes what you're excited about. And that's why some goals don't work. I think Yeah, maybe because you get excited about attaining the prize and it never, you never do that neural pathway thing you just talked about where you (laughs) attach it to the, the thing itself, you know, like I could get up at 5am every month or every day for a month. If you told me I'd get $10,000 for doing it, but I'd probably cash my check and then wake up at eight. Because I never connected it to the value, like you said. Well, the the thing that you need, and I'm going to go to like the seminal, you know, inspiration text of our time. Okay, which I, I'm sure you you want to venture. I guess are you are you going Napoleon Hill? Here? I'm going Napoleon okay. Hill on you. Okay, yeah. so so here's what Napoleon Hill says that it takes to achieve anything. Okay, it takes a burning desire. 
Yep. It takes a mind closed against negative. Okay. It takes a plan and continuous action. Mm-hmm. And it takes a mastermind. Okay. Okay. Without getting into definitions of each, mm-hmm. we do a I think whole those episode are on pretty pretty self explanatory. Mastermind, if you don't know what that is, that's someone else to be involved. A mentor, yeah. A mentor and accountability partner, which we'll talk about the a word later. You too. know, you know, <laughs> the a word, an accountability partner, a a another human being. Okay, that will you know essentially accompany you on the journey. Yeah. So so with those four things, burning desire. Mind closed against negative, plan and continuous action and accountability partner or mastermind. Yep. What you understand is that what he's after there is a roadmap for achieving anything. Mm-hmm. And and what this does is this gives you a position to understand human motivating factors. Yep. Okay. So what are you motivated by? Well, you can be motivated by the you know, attainment of something positive, money stature, power, love, any human emotion, okay, can, you know, well, any positive human emotion can be positive reinforcement for the attainment of something, Mm -hmm. okay? You can be motivated by the avoidance of negative pain, anxiety, frustration. Any of those things can be also motivating factors, okay? But what this speaks to is like, definiteness of purpose yeah which is another big thing in all of hill's writings okay so so you can't even get started with the plan or the roadmap until you have this definiteness of purpose which is the word we're looking for yeah it's it's that that's you know three words to explain the one word that gabe and i spent 10 minutes trying to find (laughs) on thesaurus.com before we started recording today (laughs) but the point is it's, it's this unflinching uncompromising pursuit of something but yeah clear Okay. Focus. So back to your question. Okay. How do you show someone how to be motivated or incentivize motivation? Mm-hmm. Well, you introduce these motivating factors. Yep. Okay. And one thing I will tell you the avoidance of negative is a much stronger motivating principle than the attainment of something positive. Yeah. Believe it or not. So if I could tell you, Gabe, that unless you do this, you are going to be ridiculed and embarrassed amongst a significantly sized group of your peers, there's a good chance you're going to do what I just told you. Right, to avoid the pain. To avoid the pain, which is the short way to put it, the avoidance of pain is a highly motivating factor. You don't want to be embarrassed. No. So you're going to do what I said you had to do if you believe that that's actually the consequence of not doing. Right. Okay, but if I told you that you had to do something really, really, really hard but doable – Mm-hmm. And if you did it, you got a million bucks. Yeah. Well, you might be highly motivated to get a million bucks, but maybe not quite as motivated, you know, as if I'm going to take away all the money that you do have. I'm going to take <sighs> you. I mean, you're, you're literally going to be bankrupt if you don't do this. Yeah. Well, you're probably going to avoid that more than you're going to attain the million bucks. Well, and part of it, too, <sighs> is it's because both of these examples have two alternatives. And in scenario A, the Binary. stick versus the carrot, the two alternatives are have everything you have now or have nothing, okay? Given those two alternatives, there's a clear choice. And then the other one, they're both easy alternatives, right? Have way more than you ever thought imaginable, which sounds great, or have exactly what you have right now, which 
while it's not as cool as the first one, it's, it's not catastrophic. I mean, I'm here and I'm okay right now, so I'm okay. I'm so breathing. Both of these are okay, and so failing is not necessarily scary to me because, well, I didn't get the million dollars, shucks, but I never do when I play the lottery either, and I'm okay. I'm still going to wake up. But if I take tomorrow. away everything that you have, yeah, that's not an option. That's pain. Okay, so let me let me take this a step further because wh- what we haven't talked about, and I know this is a little off script, but um, as if we have a script anyway, <laughs> um, we just like to talk, folks. Anyway, <laughs> and Gabe, Gabe and I apparently we, we figured out we like to argue a little bit too. So um, anyway, the why does it work when presenting the options that way? Why is it so? binary nothing's binary right sure like okay so let's take an example um you know it's been proven that the human mind or maybe not proven it's been it's been posited um, posited that's a good word i used that one before it's been posited that the human mind can go from healthy and well to dead in seven thoughts so, like, hmm. you can literally say, if I don't do this, this happens. And if I don't do that, that happens. And then this happens, and then this happens, and this happens, and then I'm dead. Okay, like, so we're zero like... zero to seven. It's like, it's like seven degrees to Kevin Bacon, but to seven death. Seven degrees of now to death. <laughs> okay. Is how the human mind works. So you take something seven. seemingly innocuous, right? Like, if I don't wake up at eight, this happens. And if I and then don't... I don't do make that, any money, and then I go bankrupt, and then I lose my health insurance, and then I get cancer, and I die. Okay, yeah. So you okay. can... Okay. So... so um, Sounds like a fun game. Here's my point. My point is not that the seven is important or that the research or whatever. It's, right. The point is that human brain can go from zero to cat, catast, cat, catastrophe. <laughs> can go from um, catastrophic. Today? Catastrophic. Yeah. Here I am to catastrophic conclusion very quickly. Yeah. It's easy okay. to draw the lines And there. so... And, and, and understanding that nothing is so binary, every situation has gray area, that, that both speaks to why the, the, uh, the biggest you know, opposition to achievement is in action because we don't act when we perceive things to be complicated. Yep. The next step, when it's not clear, we take no steps. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's the human condition. We are, and especially our generation. And I will lump myself into this. When I don't know what to do next, I do nothing. Yeah, I mean, and I can speak to this because I'm a planner, flow charter kind of person. Yeah. I like to draw things out and outliner. And when I don't know what the next step is, I just won't step for fear of stepping in the wrong direction. No, you'll keep, you'll keep, you'll keep outlining. Yeah, you'll outline and outline I'll and look. outline yeah. until there's a clear next step. So, so understand, Gabe. The, the connection between why we don't act and how you motivate someone, you motivate someone by making it simple. Mm-hmm. Okay? You motivate something, somebody by making the next decision very simplistic. How do you make something simplistic? Well, it doesn't get any more simplistic than binary. Yep. It's yes or no. It's you Move did it or you didn't. North or south, did or did not. It's it's like black or white. Yep. So like what I, what we're talking about here is just like you incentivize binary decisions. So it's easy to act. Like, okay, so let's go into Spar and let's talk about this because I think this is pretty compelling. So Spar sure. is an app that Gabe 
or someone else here in the brokerage. No, I found it. Gabe found it. Okay, I, did, I didn't make the company, and, so and, I don't get that much credit. And, and it, it is um, he, he didn't found the company, but S P A R <laughs> on the Apple uh, App Store. Yep. Through iOS, if you want to check it out, we, we we highly recommend. Although it's a little buggy, I'll it's be, new. Be quite so. honest, it's new. They're trying to work out the kinks, but the the concept is really uh, something that we've been employing for quite some time, and it's that motivation comes from binary, easy decisions. Okay, supported by a positive or negative conclusion from doing or not doing. So, for example, you take something that you want to do and you assign a pain to not doing it, and it makes it easier to do. So we all wanted to work out here in the office. We all wanted to, you know, focus more on health and vitality. And so this app allows us to become part of a group held accountable by one another yep. with a monetary attachment. You attach your credit card to this app, and if you literally, if you don't check in doing the thing that you said you would do, yeah. it charges your credit card. Yeah, so the way it works is like a 10-second video where you prove you're doing the thing you said you would do, and it counts it as a check-in. At the end of the week, you said you would do so many. For each one that you didn't do, you pay a predetermined and agreed-upon penalty price. So. so for us, we have a 10-week, four-workout-a-week, challenge mm-hmm. 30 minute workout a per week challenge where you have to video yourself completing a workout now obviously the you know the, you know, the video there's only so much you can prove in a 10 second video the, yeah it's a 10 second video so it's i mean it's some some, some of them are system. way more concrete like wake up at six you have to show your clock showing six o'clock and yeah. i mean like there's not a lot of ways to fake that no there's not but but our we we subscribe to the honor system here yep and but the 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 Predetermined amount for us is $15 per workout missed. And we went five weeks before anyone missed a single workout, not because $15 is a lot of money and it created a ton of pain, but the negative consequence as being seen as the first person to miss. No one wanted to be, yeah. Okay, was was a serious negative consequence. And, and all it took was something being attached to it that was perceived as negative to get how many people? I mean, I think we got 12 people. Doing 12 it. people to hit four workouts a week for five consecutive weeks. Now, we're human, <laughs> so some of the workouts got a little suspect. We didn't have a lot of rules about week. what the workouts had to be. You just had to be working out. You had to be so, getting active. So, so at halftime of the 10-week, we, we set, some, we set some, some more intense rules. But <laughs> the point is um, a very simple... Avoidance of a negative consequence. Yeah, in in the in the psychology world, it's called loss aversion, right? And you can there's a lot of study about loss aversion. That's right. as a motivating factor. No, absolutely. So so again, to recap that particular thought, make decisions simple so that action cannot be hindered by the lack of a simple decision. Mm-hmm. Make That's it good. make it binary. Yeah, make it binary and attach a consequence. Or a, a reward. The re- understand that the reward has to be substantially larger than Substan- any consequence would than, have to be. Than, than how bad, you know, by opposition, right? Like yeah. the consequence doesn't have to be as as harsh as the as the prize has to be. As great. the prize has to be great. Just simply, you know, weighing out, you know, the fact that negative consequences are high, more highly motivating. Yeah, you know, than and it positive. makes sense. And one of the ways to do that is by you know, gamifying it. Like you said, you turn it, it, what's more simple than a game? You know, you play this game, these are the rules, here's how you win, here's how you lose. Uh, 
But again, that's simplicity. Yeah, I mean, you you boil it down until it's simple enough where anybody can subscribe to it and understand it and be motivated by it. It's it's about finding the thing to motivate the person. But here's here's where I wanted to go farther. All of these things are applicable to the one person. Here's how you motivate a person. What does this do when you blow it up and you do it with a whole team? Are are you just getting the individual best out of each person, or do you get more by do you get more from each person? What am I trying to say? It's like a, you can squeeze so much juice out of you know out of one person, but when you put them in a group and you do this, are you getting even more out of everybody? I guess so we're juicing people, now. right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think I understand what you what you mean. So are you saying the ridiculous arithmetic? Example that the sum is greater than I was the, getting there, yeah, or, or the what the whole is greater than, than the, the sum, sum of, of the parts, parts, yeah, which is arithmetically ridiculous. But my, my to your answer your question, um, the whole becomes greater because the sum of the parts increase, yeah, when accountability and gamification are and and, and either incentive or consequence is involved. Yeah. So in the heart of simplicity, let me simplify my nonsense question that I asked, because I finally found out what I was trying to say. Which do you think is better? Your team of 10 agents all coming and meeting with you individually for 30 minutes and getting real clear on their goal and then all being held individually accountable for one month or your team of 10 agents having one goal, our 10 agent team, this is the goal that we all have and let's do it for a month. Which one, which one will produce more out of, out of the people? I'll the collective goal and I will take you one step further. There's a place for individual accountability Mm -hmm. and you, when you have an individual goal that is part of a larger initiative. Yep. Okay. And you are tracking them simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Then there is the opportunity for the best possible result. Okay. So we're combining the two. So when I have a 36, pending transaction this month goal, which Mm -hmm. averages out to be three transactions per person. And I have a, an incentive to do more than three or a consequence. If less than three is done simultaneously applied to the 36, a a negative consequence or incentive to do 36 as a whole, then everyone gets behind their personal production and the team and it's part of the team collective. Yeah. So everyone, everyone is interested in each other succeeding because we all have a common goal to get to this number, but also you're able to introspect and say, I've got to do this much to be playing my part on the team. That's what hundred percent, hundred percent in agreement. Right. So this brings me all the way back to the beginning where, when does this become unhealthy where you put expectations on members of the team and people start to resent each other when, goals aren't met. Like I know that if I hit three and you hit three and you hit three and he hits three and she hits three, then we make it. But I've got three, this person has four and there's two people over here that are still at zero. You know, there's a chance for resentment to brew. Right. And I guess, well, it depends on what what, kind of people you've hired. Here's what happens. The leader has to be cognizant of this and you have to take steps to balance those scales. So the zeros don't hang around very long. Well, I was going to say, if you're not hiring people that, put up zeros then you don't have this problem but well you're gonna hire some people that put up zeros mm-hmm. that you know what is it um hire fast fire fast Did you ever get that <laughs> yeah 
or is it higher slow and fire fast? Anyway, you look at it, you got to fire fast. Yeah. And, and I don't mean necessarily like give people their walking papers and like literally fire your fire. Like you hand them the banker box. Yeah. There's, I don't necessarily mean that. I mean, I mean that you have to, there has to be consequences associated with being out of culture yep. and, and being out of production is out of culture. Okay. If, you, if you're building a culture of top producing agents or people or team members or whatever, and somebody can't hack it, like, and you let them hang, uh-huh. despite not, with no transition, with no, you know, additional requirements, with no consequence, yep. then you're not about your business anyway, because well, you're never going to send that positive message to the one that's doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. When you let somebody skate on not. Well, let's talk about this then. Is there a middle ground between just letting it fly and doing nothing versus uh, just giving them the boot. And it's just like, you didn't hit it, you're out of here. What if, and I guess you have as a leader have to be cognizant of this too, let's not talk about production because you do expect everybody to produce, but what if you set a goal and you have some people that are underperforming versus the rest of the team around them to the point where it's noticeable? When do you have to decide whether or not that's indicative of they're just not going to make it at all versus maybe this wasn't the right place to apply them and I can get more out of them by applying something else. Like you said, not everybody is competitive. What happens when you have someone that puts up zeros in this competition but blows everybody away in the other competition? When you're in sales, you're going to be somewhat competitive. Sure. Well, that's what I said. I think everyone we're talking to can relate at least a little. So the, the question is when to make the move, whatever move you decide to make. Yeah. Um, Gabe, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a lot involved in that decision. It's not that binary. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, there is the, the, uh, the accounting answer. The cost of an agent on my team is X per month. And their ROI is this. And their ROI is this. The return yeah. on that particular cost or investment is unacceptable. Sure. Like they're a racehorse. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean that's in, it's kind of insensitive to think about, but yeah, I mean like but people one have yeah. well people have value, okay, <laughs> I mean, whether it's the kind of value we need or not. Sure, and we're not talking about like <laughs> sending them to the glue factory or anything here. No, we've all got actually a stat sheet. It's like just your just like your your first quarter times and everything like that <laughs> somewhere in a spreadsheet that Marcy has. <laughs> your works are not that good. Like, <laughs> no, I, I you're five for a long time, okay? We're just not cutting it. No, I uh, got people outside of Kentucky are going to be like, what are they talking Seriously? about? Seriously. Anyway, um, we like horse racing people, just so you know. <laughs> um, here's the thing. You have metrics. You track. There, there's some subjective nature to it. So there's the, the accounting, you know, ROI, business operation. It's an answer. You know, there's the culture answer. One thing I'll tell you, and this may answer the question more effectively than anything, when people don't cut it, they know they don't cut it, and they mm-hmm. tend to weed themselves out. Yeah, or they find what what they were missing before to finally rise to the occasion. Right, the person that was putting up two and two, once everyone else is hitting three and four, maybe they find that that what am I looking for? The second win, where they come back and they finally achieve well, what they're. Let me of. tell you something. That's it, far you, and in between. You can you can very you will very rarely use the word so and so finally figured it out. If <laughs> yeah. you get to finally. Chances are it's already the problem's already solved itself. Sure. So you don't ever want to get to finally because finally has done irreparable damage to your team. Yeah. Before you get to it. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The 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 hitters, the A and B players, you know, are frustrated as hell with you when you get to finally with a D player. Yeah. Right? So you don't you can't let that happen and have a great team culture. Sure. So, you know, in in our case, and you'll appreciate this, the we make it very clear who is operating at A and B level. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear to everyone else who is operating at C and D level. Well, it's because, and we joke about keeping stats, but I mean, we do keep we do keep a pretty you know pretty deep stats on production and prospecting and all these different things, and they're not hidden behind some spreadsheet on someone on staff's computer. They're literally on a television screen, yeah. in the break room. Like well, if on, I want to know how many deals you've done, I, I only have to walk downstairs, or like you said, yeah, pull up the spreadsheet on my phone. All well, it's not even on the spreadsheet. It's right on Slack, and your phone is pinging all day long with production numbers that people are putting up. Yeah. And, you know, I know, Gabe, that's not what you do right now for us, but, like, if you were in sales and you yeah. got to watch, Scott Scott just put up two pendings. Phil just put up a listing. You know, Kristen just got a pending deal. So-and-so got a pending deal. Shit, where is my business at? Sorry. Yeah. Try I mean, but, well, for background, I mean, like, if we're talking about Slack, which is just like a team messaging platform if you're not using it. But every time we do something that's a KPI, a key performance indicator, right, something that we should measure and track, uh, it gets broadcast to the team. Everybody's phone, you get an alert, and it says, you know, XYZ person just put 123 Main Street pending, you know, for this amount of money. And we have the kind of team where everybody generally jumps in and congratulates the person, and, and we're all very aware of what's going on in each other's business. Uh, but it's like you said, that doesn't have to be a contest. There's not always a contest involved per se, but we all know what each other are doing and have at least a rough understanding of where each other are at. Uh, and it's 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 a powerful tool because it allows you to really measure yourself against something other than your own expectations. Well, just having, you know, it be readily available. Yeah. Is is pow- there's so much power in that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just- like you said, you you're combining the avoidance of pain and the attainment of pleasure, right? The attaining the pleasure of seeing your name above other names, while avoiding the pain of being letting other people see you at the bottom of the list. Yeah. You know, everybody can see where you are and depending on where you are, that's good and bad. I right? just had a really good idea. Maybe we should start slacking like, Oh, for weeks. Like <laughs> if you don't sell a house in a week, it's like, ding. you got, you got to, you got to fill out a form and it pings. The Slack channel says it's like no pendings, no Jay, appointments. Jay, Jay had no pendings this week. Just do it. We should do that for prospecting hours. Oh, just like have it come in. It's like zero prospecting hours logged this week. <laughs> Like, that would be a good one. So everybody's got to time it. No, I mean, we haven't always done this, but I can tell you, before we did this, people would hide. Mm-hmm. You, you you hide your lack of activity. Yeah. It was, it, they wouldn't breathe the fact, they wouldn't think of like even, it was breathless, like yeah. the fact that they had nothing going on. They would hide And so hide what do you in do instead? You, you project, oh, I'm doing good. You know, I've got a couple things that are really close to getting done. I've got one that I really think is going to happen done. this week. And they just never get done. And it's this constant projection, projection, which not only is not healthy for the individual, but it's also not growing your team. It's your not, team doesn't really know where each other are. They don't know how to build each other up. And Dude. so while you might be scared of revealing all of your team's stats to each other, I think honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a good thing. It lets everybody know where they can be a better team member. You know what I mean? Oh, dude. I mean, it is powerful. There, I mean, seriously, what is more powerful than sitting at home in the evening and watching bing, 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 pending, 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 pending. Like yeah. we're striving towards, which, you know, in full disclosure, we had a 36 
it was not an example I pulled out of the sky earlier. We had a goal of 36 pending transactions in October, which would have matched our best Ever. month of the year. Okay. Okay. And we hit 34. So we came up short of our goal. Yeah. By an infuriating two. By an infuriating two pending transaction sides. But we had a hell of a month, you know, pushing to achieve a goal that we had set for ourselves. And like, there's nothing really, there's really nothing more gratifying than just to get sucked into that place when you were least expecting it mm-hmm. has this way of picking you up and pushing you forward and motivating you all at the same time, yep. giving you, you know, appreciation or gratitude for where you sit. I mean, there's just, there's so much that comes with a competitive team culture, which is really what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're not talking about running sales contests necessarily. That's part of the puzzle, but we're talking about building a positive productive, motivating, competitive team culture. Yeah. That's really what it's about. And not like at each other's throat, cutthroat, competitive. More like the we're a team and we compete together kind of competitive. We're all... We all play a position on this same team, like, and we're competitive. I see your, I see your three pendings. Here's my four. Yeah. Oh, wait. I got another one. Four, four. Now, I better go get one. You know? Yeah. And it's... 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 Um, it's a delicate balance to strike, but I think we've done it. Because I think we do put in emphasis on winners and losers, but not necessarily this agent won and this agent lost. It's our team won, our competition lost. Well, basically. if you need any more example of it, just watch the way we get on. We get we 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 jump on and congratulate those that do the do the things well. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's nothing to have a serious, like almost like virtual party inside yeah, Slack. Every time somebody hits a big deal or throws up a couple of listings or has a good week. I mean, a bunch it, of dollar sign emojis and yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's good stuff, man. So I, I mean, I hope I answered your question. I know you yep. what you wanted to touch on today was, was this competitive culture and how and what we it do does it. for your business. Yeah. I think we got some, some tactics involved there. We got mm-hmm. some, you know, we got some, some theory and some philosophy behind it. I still yep. didn't come up with that word. It's, I don't know. I'm not sure either. Watch, I'm going to think of it the second we stop rolling, though. The second we stop rolling, I came up with it with, when I come up with all my best ideas, and then I lost it, in the, <laughs> which is when I'm shaving, by the way. Make sure to stay till the very end of the episode, because as soon as the music stops, if we thought of it at all before I publish this, <laughs> I'll put the word in there. As a reward to everyone who made it to the end, I'll put the word. Yeah. So anyway, I think, I think that's about all we got for today, man. Yeah, I think that's about it, too. Pretty good episode. So the big takeaway is... If the more than just a listing or pendings or sales contest, incorporating competition in all of its different forms in in your team, in the fabric of your organization. Yeah. Not just, you know, in November we're doing a sales contest, but having a competitive culture. I think that's the, that's the way to describe it is something that creates, creates trust, creates connections and creates, you know, enhanced levels of success the, for your team. The thing that we haven't talked about, Gabe, is the fact that not only will this culture attract the right people, it'll weed out the wrong ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Less work, less work for you to do with performance evaluations and reviews and, you know, come sit in my office, close the door. It's less of that and more of everybody knows. It's well, out there and everybody knows where you stand. And, and, and you've heard me say this, Gabe, like there's a lot of different ways to do this business. And if 20 transactions a year or 12 transactions a year, if that's your way and it's economically feasible and it fits my business model and we're all good, then go for it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell someone who's sunsetting or it's a second career or Somebody who's independently wealthy and just wants to stay active. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not here to tell you that twelve deals a year is not enough. Like I'm, you don't have a place here. I'm gonna tell you 
that you, you're capable of more sure. if you are. Um, but I'm not telling you that that's not right for you. I'm not telling you that being decisive about how you want to do this business is wrong. It's never wrong. If it works financially, if you're in culture and that's what you want to do. And it benefits this team. And it benefits this team or my organization, then jump in. Welcome. You know, the water's warm. But, you know, that person doesn't begrudge the one that wants to be competitive and close 100 deals a year. No. And it's because that person knows what they want. They're clear on what their goal is. Exactly. They have the the blank word focus that they they know they know what they're looking for and so they don't look to others to define themselves no absolutely not they don't look to others success or failures to measure themselves they know what they have and they know what they need to do they're resolved yeah they're resolved in the decisions they make the end that they're pursuing and that feeds a competitive team culture yep all right. Well, that's all we've got for today. If you guys have any questions, of course, you can always reach out to us and, and get in touch. Maybe, you know, you have an example of how this has impacted your team. Or maybe you just know the word that we've been looking for and you want to tell us what it is. Uh, just feel free to reach out anytime. You can find us on social. Uh, you know, you can always send a, re- a email to us here at Resource. Uh, but other than that, we'll see you guys next time. Check us on Instagram, resource underscore podcast. That's right. Go ahead and take a look. That's a good place. We're going to be posting about this episode. You can comment there if you know the word. All right, next time, I'm Gabe Pruitt. This is Jay Pitts. We'll see you guys on Resource. See you, folks.